welcome one and all to episode 138 of the DC Comics News uh, Podcast. I am your host, Brad Flicky. With me today is the incomparable Seth Singleton. How you doing, Seth? I love being incomparable. <laughs> <laughs> Always makes me think of that great Whitman one, right? I contain multitudes. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Come get some. Hey, how you doing today, man? Always good to hang out with you. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And, you know, we're coming off of fandom here. So we have got a ton of uh, stuff to talk about today. So I'm just going to jump right in here uh, with, uh, with the movie news. Up first is uh, something that broke the Internet. The Batman got a new trailer at fandom. Well, what was your what was your take on this trailer? Oh, it was a great trailer. I mean, you you really one. I love the the mysterious sort of feeling that we have regarding Riddler uh, from the opening scene to that sort of slow. Are we going to see his face? Well, probably not. No, it's not happening. Uh, <laughs> those great moments I thought were wonderful. Um, I love the uh, interplay between Batman and Catwoman watching them, you know, demonstrate what feels like some really great chemistry was really cool. Um, and then that final scene, the whole I got you, no, no, not really, not really at all. Um, that was pretty lovely. Plus, uh, they, I mean, I remember watching it with my wife and just saying, hey, check it out. Like, guess who the penguin is? You know, I'm pretty sure she knows, but it was just kind of fun to, like, check out the fact that it's it's such an impressive transformation. So there were a lot of great. Those are just some highlights. I'm sure you got some better ones. What do you got, buddy? Uh, you know. Uh, I, I'm a little torn. Um, I I loved that we got to see more of Catwoman, and she looks great. And I'm really intrigued by her character. I like that we got to see more of the Penguin, and get a little more sense of what he's going to be like. And I think we all loved the the chase scene with the Batmobile coming out of the fire. That was that was a pretty incredible scene. Uh, but I was kind of let down because we didn't see a whole lot of the Riddler. And that's what I was really hoping to see. Uh, I, I stick by that. One of the things that makes Batman such a great character is his rogues gallery. And especially when it comes to the films, I love a good villain. And I wanted I wanted more of the Riddler because they're definitely setting it up that he is going to be the main villain of this movie, not the Penguin. So I really was hoping to get more of the Riddler. So I was a little bit bummed about that. But either way, I think this is this is looking pretty incredible. And I think everybody is pretty psyched, uh, you know, t- to to see it. And I, I, I appreciate that excitement rather than bitterness over the fact that Robert Pattinson is playing Batman. That seemed to have been, you know, the sum of the conversation before we got to see these two trailers and now the excitement is really building. So yeah, I, I am still super excited. I just wish we could have seen more of, of the Riddler. And speaking of trailers and fandom, we didn't get a trailer necessarily, but we did get a bit of a sneak peek at the flash movie. Uh, and I know you, you are a big flash fan. Uh, what was your, what was your takeaway from this little sneak peek? Oh, man, I couldn't tell if my heart was either beating so fast or just stopped or if it was having like a flash moment where it's beating so fast, it's imperceptible. It's just sort of like you're like, (laughs) because one, um, there was something about that voiceover asking that great question. 
with all this power? Why, why did you choose what you chose? You know, why, why choose? And what, what determines your choice for going somewhere, for using that power to go anywhere? And from there, it was just like, it was a sprint. You know, there were these wonderful just touches. Um, the final image, of course, is one that I, I feel like it was the same thing with the Riddler. Like they're well aware of what the impact of that is going to be. And they're just holding that, you know, mic drop for that final moment when either they're going to not have it happen until the actual movie, you know, appears and that's going to be it. Or it's going to be right before it. And then that's going to be that final like, oh, man, you thought people were hyped before. Like, here comes the hype. Um, and the excitement and the sort of like, oh, wow, it's frenzy now. So I, I definitely felt like they were employing both strategies with the uh, the Batman trailer as well as the teaser we got for The Flash. And let me just say that having what looked like potentially three people with an outfit on that had the Flash symbol definitely, definitely got my interest. Uh, and beyond that, um, the lead in. I mean, uh, there there was nothing better than watching the person who is going to portray the Flash, who has this very wry, very wondrously dry sense of humor, just be awesome <laughs> and say, like, we wanted to have one. We don't have one. We have something. Here's what we, you know, <laughs> I just love that, that, that mirth because I, I always enjoyed that when he was talking last year. I loved seeing more of it in the Snyder Cut, and I'm hoping to see a lot of that great feeling, you know, in the movie. But I'm going to turn down or tighten the uh, the spigot there for a minute on the gushing and bring it over to my good friend Brad. What do you think, buddy? Yeah, Ezra Miller is quite the character. Um, he, it, it's so funny watching him play the Flash and the Justice League because he was such kind of like um, like the straight-laced normal kid. But he, in, in person, he presents himself in such a flashy, flamboyant way. It's kind of a funny dichotomy between him and the character so yeah i i, I liked his little his little intro <laughs> well you know and soon you'll be we'll all be watching the movie but more importantly you'll be watching me was kind of <laughs> was really <I> funny. <laughs> <laughs> and um you know I, and as far as the the footage that we did get to see uh i, I think that there was something very significant in him saying you know of all you could save all universe why any universe why save this one because that makes me think that that uh, you know i I, up until now i've kind of had it in my head that michael keaton was going to be a significant part but basically a cameo and now i'm wondering if that's the universe that that the flash is trying to save is is somehow the universe of batman 89 so that would be an interesting little development or or even if he is saving that universe, how much of how big of a part of that is the film itself saving that universe? I don't know. I'm, I'm very intrigued. And that last shot was so great because you could definitely tell what was under that tarp. And I love that he rips the tarp off and they cut the shot right before you see anything under it. That was that that was was brilliant. But, yeah, again, this this is something I'm, I'm so excited for. Uh, this this also could be a movie that's very significant for the future of DC movies, just because of the fact that they're dealing so heavily with the multiverse concept and how it can tie into other movies. So, yeah, this is uh, going to be a very important film in a lot of ways. So um, I'm looking forward to it. 
And another movie that um, we got a look at at Fandom was Black Adam. And it, wa- it also wasn't uh, necessarily a trailer, but we did get um, The Rock introducing a clip from the movie. Uh, what, uh, what did you think of this clip? It was so good. So smart. Introduced so many wonderful ideas from like the mystery and the exploration, the sort of Indiana Jones slash let's go looking for a missing treasure or a secret power. And then hearing hearing Shazam, but seeing a very different, you know, kind of lightning as well as a very different figure appear. And the moment he picked that guy up, I was like, okay, here's where you make a statement. And that statement was phenomenal. I mean, you think about what you know from the comics about Black Adam, and it's it's really easy to see that being his first action. And not only that, but depending on how they choose to tell his story, what precedes him going away so that he only returns in that moment? I mean, he could have been in the mat- middle of like a big battle. He could be expecting enemies coming at you know what i mean it just seems like one of those moments where he's like everyone is a threat until i know otherwise and that that fits with what i expect of adam you know he sees he understands power he understands threats he understands handling things in a way that he feels is very efficient and extremely brutal so i i loved all of it and um man it just did a really nice job of teasing it with johnson who's so enthusiastic like the guy is the epitome of patient enthusiasm um and just seeing that moment i mean black adam was a powerfully terribly powerful figure in that in that teaser what do you think brad yeah there is something about his excitement for this character that is just infectious had i not been excited for this movie or not even familiar with who black adam was and i saw this it would it would make me excited to see it just because he is so excited uh, to, you know, to bring it to fruition. And this is something that he's been talking about now for so long. I, you know, I, I think back when we started this recording, this podcast a few years ago, I, I probably on that first podcast, we had a story about the rock playing black Adam. And it's just amazing that all that work uh, is paying off and that we are getting closer to seeing it. Because I, you know, I had my doubts going into it that it would that it would end up seeing the light of day. But his, you know, his passion for the character has really, really driven this project. And that's really cool to see it finally really come together. And I really dug the clip. Uh, You know, it's he's definitely coming across as a total badass, which is which is good. He's going to be an antihero. And I think it's going to be interesting to see him play an anti-hero because he's been so much the like the the hero of the movies that he's in so it's going to be kind of fun to see him play somebody with a definite dark side and, pardon the pun i guess <laughs> this is a dc podcast <laughs> but uh, you're forgiven yeah but uh yeah I, I think it's gonna be fun to watch him explore that um that pain that he's dealing with and 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 the whole concept of dealing with trauma is something that has really been in the forefront of our culture lately so i think that this is going to have some interesting things to say and i can't wait to see characters like dr fate i I think pierce brosnan is going to do a great job as dr fate 
you know, Hawkman and Cyclone. I can't wait to see all those characters interact. So, yeah, I, I, there's a lot, lot to look forward to in the next year as far as DC movies are concerned. And I hope we don't have to wait too much longer to see a full trailer uh, for this. And moving on, uh, we also learned a little bit more about the DC animated slate of films coming up in 2022, as well as seeing a trailer for Catwoman Hunted. Uh, what was your what was your uh, takeaway from these from from this? You gonna you gonna watch Hunted? Oh yeah, I mean, if there's one thing I can guarantee, it's that DC's animated movies are on the forefront of of my watch list. I mean. There, there could be a live action series that I'll be like, I know I might be interested, but I'm always going to be interested in their animated stuff more. It just it really does all the things I'm always looking for. And it, it feels like it has the freedom to do it. And it does so with just a lot of comfort, a lot of authority, um, a great sense of, of why and the and the reason behind, you know, so much of what they're doing and the the that intention goes through the story it goes through the art this looks like just another one of those great examples where i mean come on you got batwoman walking in <laughs> the moment that that trailer starts with her i was like really we're gonna have batwoman and catwoman this is gonna be fun you know because keep in mind what you do know about batwoman from the show and the comics and you have a lot of different ways that this can play out with their personalities and also what it's like to see them in, you know, kind of a reverse, not buddy cop, but like buddy anti-hero sort of movie. And I think there's a lot of opportunity there that they can also maybe turn into stuff that could be great for the future. I mean, you look at how well Harley and uh, Ivy have, you know, demonstrated in the books and now on uh, animated. I feel like this could be another one where we could get either a slew of movies or a fun spinoff or some great just could you imagine if we had batwoman and catwoman crossing over into harley or vice versa and yeah so i think this opens a lot of doors and then i love the fact that this is just like the beginning of this whole slate of stuff that's coming out from dc battle of the super sons looks ridiculous and you know constantine's house of mystery the dc showcase one those things are, you know, definitely ones that I'm... But I'll watch the other stuff, too. I'll totally watch Teen Titans Go. I'll probably totally watch DC Superhero Girls, if only because then I can convince my nieces, like, hey, it's just a really great show. You should check it out. I know because I watched it. Blah, 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 blah. So that's that's my little, you know, spiel. What, what did you think about that in the movies that are uh, also on the list for next year? Yeah, man. DC, when it comes to their animated movies, they are absolutely untouchable. Um they've all have something you know something to offer and i really kind of dig the anime style of this uh, as far as the character design and i really like the the chemistry between batwoman and catwoman uh, i think that that's going to have a lot of fun it almost seems like kind of like a a buddy cop movie but you know well it, not the catwoman's a cop of course but it, it, it did have that kind of a vibe of like a buddy cop movie for me, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm psyched for these other animated movies too. Like that, that I, I kind of wish the idea of bringing Constantine and the house of mystery together in some way. I kind of wish that was going to be more than just a short, but I'm definitely going to check that out. Um, and I'm really curious about the green lantern and battle of the super sons that that series was so good that if it's half as good as 
the comic series was. That's going to be a real fun animated movie as well. And for the kids, Teen Titans Go and Superhero Girls, uh, you know, it's kind of got something for for everybody. So, yeah, I think that I think that these all are going to be, uh, you know, pretty fun and a good watch. And we also uh, learned that Jacob Scipio is going to join the cast of the Batgirl movie in an unknown role. Uh, what was your takeaway from this? I think the the thing that I take away the most from this is it's just a it's another great you know note to add to positive production news that you always want to keep hearing that they're in the process of gathering the cast. Hopefully, once you know, a few more pieces are added, then they can start giving us those like, hey, we're filming, we're filming here, you know, still shots from, you know what I mean? I feel like there's this like rate of progression that we understand movies to kind of um, traverse. And in the process for fans, it becomes one of those things where as you hear the developments, it's encouragement. You know, there's there's nothing worse than hearing that, you know, that there was an incident. Um and unfortunately, filming had to stop. You know, the, one of the biggest things we had to deal with in the past year and a half is reporting stories that or I know we're not reporters, but sharing stories that, uh, you know, we're we're hearing about the pandemic causing um, shutdowns on different filming projects and delays they anticipate and these problems like that. So knowing what that feels like, you know, there's this great sense of positive traction progression when it comes to an anticipated project like Batgirl. And it's a reminder, I think for me, it's beyond the encouragement and a reminder that, you know, good things can continue to happen. We can have some disappointments. New Gods was a tough one to swallow. There have been a few others recently where it's like, oh man, such high hopes, expectations, you know, possibilities. And so when you measure that against, you know, knowing what it's like to experience the bad news and the good news, even if we have it as an undefined character, for me, it's another just like, OK, we're building good news. As long as we're building good news, you know, the, these are things I want to keep hearing and they tell me everything's on the right track. What did you think? Yeah, uh, I, I'm not uh, I'm not too familiar with uh, Jacob Scipio's work, but um, judging by that picture that's in this article, um, I, I just see bad boys for life. I take that back. But um he seems like he could be a, a good villain, you know, um, but uh, I, I, I was just so glad to see this this movie at all represented at Fandom uh, because I was this is another one of those ones that I was cynical about if we'll ever actually see it come to light. But if they're going to put it in Fandom, put it out there and say, hey, this is happening. That's great. That that's a definite plus that it's definitely happening. So I. I was I just loved that it was that it was there, you know, and represented and moving along. So because uh, I think this is something that could be pretty significant for HBO Max, because from what I understand at this point, it's being set up as a movie just for the streaming service, not for theaters. And if it's good, that could be a whole nother avenue for production and distribution of film so i i i hope it it does well and i'm really looking forward to watching this all come together uh as well and speaking of also projects that are in the early stages uh we we did get to see a little bit of concept art for both batgirl and blue beetle 
Uh, what did you think of this? Really cool stuff. I'm always curious, you know, how close the actual will end up being, you know, with the uh, with the. Oh, you just said the word and it totally just escaped my mind. But uh, concept. Thank you. So, you know, it's like I always loved it when they would have those cool concept cars and it would be like, oh, wow. And then you're like, OK, but how do you bring that thing to life? Like, how do you make that thing actually exist, like run and, you know, handle things? And I, I feel that any time that you get a chance to you know, share some images and, and kind of let people see like what you're aiming towards. I mean, I think that's always a good feeling. And I like the direction that they're going for. Um, you know, there's that great sort of shot that they have, you know, um, the classic sort of Batman pose, like being out, standing on one of those gargoyles, looking over everything. I mean, that was a really great, you know, example of like the intention and approach. And then with Blue Beetle, I kind of feel like it's no matter no matter what you end up doing with Blue Beetle, you know, as long as you come as close as possible to what we've seen in the comics, then you're always going to be pretty good in my book. <laughs> and I feel like that's what they're working towards. You know, they're aware of the fact that, sure, you could just do something like Ted Court, but, you know, at the same time, uh, look at how amazing Jaime's outfit is. I mean, he really took the idea of Blue Beetle and they really pushed it. Um, and, and showing those great examples from some of the comics just, for me, just felt like that feeling of like, okay, you know, I love the source that you're coming from. I love, you know, the intention that you have. And it's going to be great to see how close you get to it. You know, um, the, the great thing, I think, stylistically is how many different ways you can take, you know, the design of something. I mean, you, you look at Batman and how many different versions of the Bat um, costume are there? And what do they highlight? What is the purpose? You know, and also with Jaime, I think the cool thing about him as Blue Beetle is, there was always some new power he was discovering about the suit. <laughs> so I feel like that's something that can be, you know, expanded on. Like you can give some great visual hints with the suit and suggestive stuff. So, yeah, I feel like there's just a, a lot of great positives that, that you're looking at when it comes to how much they're drawing from this great source material and how much of it they're trying to translate to the screen. I, I felt like they're trying to get as much as possible and then simply logistics like if you put a piece on it, it keeps falling off during shooting. You might end up having to cut it or CGI it or make some choices. But overall, you know, they're going to get as close as possible. What do you think? Yeah, you know, uh, I'm going to show my age here. <laughs> when I first started collecting uh, comics, it was right uh, as far as DC goes. It was right around the time of crisis. And even given that what all those you know, those big moments and all those big characters. Ted Cord was always one of my favorite DC characters. Maybe it was Justice League International, but for, you know, I just really liked the Ted Cord character. I like the Ted Cord Blue Beetle. Having said that, I am really glad that they went with the Jaime version for this because I think that it's much more timely. And I think, that, you know, like what you said too with the suit, I think that there's a lot more that they can do with that character and say a lot more for where we are right now. Um, I, I, I just love the idea that they're using that character and that suit. So uh, yeah, I, I, I'm all for it. And, and, and again, this is one of those things where now it seems like it's definitely going to happen now that they've come out a whole fandom panel to talk about it. That is, that is just great news. So this is another one of those 
productions that I'm going to be looking forward to uh, talking about on this podcast as it, you know, as it comes together. So, yeah, I'm 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 psyched for this and the art does look great. And it looks like they're definitely keeping it pretty true to the comics as well. So I'm really digging the design. So, yeah, um, you know, I say give me more because I'm I'm definitely going to be watching this as well. I, I I just got nothing negative to say. I, I'm excited for so much of the stuff that's coming from DC and from Fandom, and you know, in particular. I just uh, I just can't wait. And with that, we are going to take a quick ad break and pay some bills, hear from some sponsors, and then we'll be back to talk some TV streaming news. So stick around. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News. Here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, Subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Picture this, someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC Universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. (laughs) (laughs) Here's hoping. We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you cuff. want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. 
accepted season, whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. And we are back to episode 138 of the DC Comics News podcast. I'm your host, Brad Flicky, and with me uh, is Seth Singleton. And we are going to move on now to the TV streaming news. And I got to tell you, this first story that comes up, uh, oh man, it is like a knife to the gut. I'm so bummed about this. But they have announced that why the last man has been canceled at fx uh so seth what was your takeaway from this uh buddy this is where i uh go ahead and shine up the shield okay this is where i go ahead and break out the flag and maybe get the extendo pole and uh and i don't hold back on saying the one thing i took away from this story was this story is going to keep going there's a home they just don't know which one it is yet and for me, that was, I mean, it was kind of silly. I, I realized I was like, dude, I'm going to be so on brand when we talk about this. But uh, th- that was the only feeling I had as soon as I, I read this. And the passion that I had, you know, was able to detect from everyone who was talking, whether it's uh, the showrunner, um, whether it was seeing a post uh, a few days back that uh, Brian Vaughn did, Brian K. Vaughn did. You know, showing a screenshot of, of the, the Twitter post from Eliza Clark. And I, I love the idea that, you know, it makes sense that this might happen because it's not the first time it's happened with a, a program that was on something closer to a network. I mean, we're going to be talking about it later, but there are other shows that premiered on one network and now are transitioning to a home somewhere else. It's unfortunate that that's not the story that's being told, but I think that's the story that we're eventually going to have here. And now it's just a question, as the article speculates, HBO Max or Netflix? I mean, Netflix has recently picked up things like Lucifer and Sweet Tooth, but I honestly feel HBO Max would be the better route to go, especially with the other content that they've been gathering on there um, and the way that it's really, I think, made a difference for, for knowing, like, you go to that HBO Max app, you click on the hubs and you go to the one for DC and it's all right there. I mean, I was juiced when I was like, it suddenly hit me. Like I, I knew fandom was over and then suddenly I was like, whoa, Young Justice. Oh, dude, I got to I got to I got to build out some time in my schedule like this has to happen. I don't know when it's happening, but it's happening. And this is another show that I would be immediately the same way about as soon as do episodes. So I, I feel it's got a home. I, I was just a little disappointed that it had to be canceled first. But I don't think this show's going away. And I think between the uh, the crew and also the the platforms that are out there that they know this is a good investment. I think it's going to happen. So I'm optimistic, man. I am immensely hopeful. That's right. Spit shined and everything. How about you? Oh man, yeah. I I I. Uh, you know, I am pretty hopeful. I just will feel more comfortable when they officially announce it. Um, I, I do agree with you that HBO Max would be a better fit for it. Um, you know, the, the, this show is definitely rated R, <laughs> you know, um, whereas something like Lucifer and Sweet Tooth aren't aren't. And maybe HBO Max can do more with that. And, and 
you know, Warner Brothers has the muscle behind it that maybe they can, you know, make it all work out. Uh, you know, it, it really bummed me out, too, because I I had just finished coming back from, you know, New York Comic Con uh, a couple weekends ago. And there was a big panel and a big press roundtable. And right at the panel, they said, well, we're still waiting to hear if we're, you know, picked up for a second season. But we're pretty optimistic that we will be. And then, boom, the floor drops out. So I just really hope that uh, that that, yeah, Warner Brothers can step up and move it to another home. I mean, the the crew is is great. The cast is great. Um, They know exactly what they want to do. They know how to do it. And they deserve to be able to keep that going. And I hope that they can find that new home without having to make any significant changes because they were, you know, like I said, they, they know what they were doing and they, and, and they know how they're doing it. And at the panel, Brian Kavon made a special appearance and he said that the show was actually, he was surprised how much better the show was in his mind than his book so it would just be a shame that that it does not get a second chance and it, and as a story why the last man is so great that it would be a shame that we would not be able to see the whole thing come to a conclusion that it just ends after one season it just would not be it would not be right so warner brothers do what you got to do if it has to go to netflix it'll go to netflix but i just don't want it i just don't want it to end so yeah, I just uh, I hope you have uh, in the upcoming weeks some positive news to share about a new home for the show. And another piece of kind of uh, frustrating bad news is that um, Ruby Rose has broken her silence on exactly why she left uh, Batwoman. Uh, Seth, what do you think of this? Well, I, I think there's always been a sense that there was more to the story after she left and i think she started out just going with the i don't want to make any waves i don't want to make this about my leaving and and make it about a story that's going to continue into the people who are coming on and will you know continue telling the story of batwoman and i think she also potentially recognized you know the timing of, you know, coming out and, and saying the things that she's saying now. But I also have to wonder how much of it has to do with trauma. You know, we were just talking about trauma before the ad break. And if there's one of those things that I think we're becoming more conscious of is that trauma doesn't work out the way each of us thinks it does. It works out the way it works out, depending on the person who it happens to um, and the circumstances and then the environment. I mean, there are so many conditions considering Now, you take into account the recent information she shared regarding the injuries, regarding um, what she was saying before, which was that she made the choice to come back. And now it's uh, being presented that it wasn't really a choice. It was more of uh, an option. (laughs) It was more of like, hey, you know, you you can choose not to come back right away, but these are the consequences and it'll be on you. Um, that, that story is something I've come across, um, in other stories, as well as in working environments. Like this is not a new story for someone to put leverage or pressure on. Um, I think it's also challenging for a lot of people because if it starts out so, you know, polite and understanding and forgiving, 
something must have changed between then and now. And then it's just a question of what factors played into it. I, I'm going to go back to trauma again because I think injury is one of those things that, you know, on top of everything else can create a lot of psychological you know, challenges. And through that can be a lot of long stemming things that until you've had time and distance to work things out. I mean, you can look in the news and there can be stories of tragedies. And then it's about a year or so later when action might be taken legally or otherwise. And because of that, there's an awareness of like, hey, I want to act when I want to act for the reasons I want to act. And sometimes it's going to be about time and processing and sometimes it's going to be about other factors. I mean, you know, there, there could have been something that we're not aware of yet that triggered this and she felt the need to say, okay, you know what? I, I did what I thought I could do up to a certain point, and now I believe I need to do something differently. Um, I, I'm intrigued because I, I'm curious what that was, but also overall, uh, there's a big part of me that's looking at how much trauma has been part of the discussion. You know, I mean, my wife has recently repeated to me a few times, you know, something that was said by, uh, I don't know if he's the former Prince Harry. Um, the idea that it shouldn't be, you know, something we call uh, post-traumatic uh, disorder, but it should be something we reference as a disease, as this sort of like thing that happens that has symptoms and all these other factors to consider, and that that might make it easier for people to understand that it's it's like getting sick, you know, it's like getting an illness that that <laughs> there's what you expect, and then there's the reality of it. So uh, I feel like there's. A lot going on here, um, and I'm 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 mostly just trying to listen to everybody who's talking, without taking a lot of sides, but also trying to be aware of the fact that, like I said, there's a reason why this is being said now and why it wasn't said earlier, and I feel like that's going to be part of the developing story too. What did you think about all this, man? I know it's a lot. I, I don't know how much of it I actually addressed, but uh, you know, <laughs> I. Uh, it makes me feel like a sucker for uh, taking taking for granted that what people were saying publicly at that point was on the up and up, because I thought, well, you know, it seemed like everybody was trying to, to was, was making the best of a bad situation. It was like it just didn't work out. So we're all going to go our separate ways. Maybe I'll come back as a guest star. You know, I wish them the best. They wish her the best. Great. And now this is just a nightmare. And I don't think that it's my place to sit there and say who I believe or who I don't. But from these reporter, these reports, you know, that they have, you know, that both sides have said, I mean, it's a real mess. Um, and I, I think that, you know, what they say, they're what, how many sides to a story, at least three. Uh, so I, I think that where you stand is what you what you observed, you know. So I think that um, I, I don't know if this is stuff that needs to be aired in public either. Um, it, it's just it's just very messy and it's not a good look. It's not a good look for Ruby Rose. It's not a good look for the crew behind Batwoman. So it's just, it's just really ugly. And, um, yeah, I, I just hope that everybody can come out of it, um, at, at least smarter 
but uh, I, I don't know. It's just it's just a it's just a mess. It's sometimes I don't need to know how the sausage is made. I guess that's that's how I'll sum up how I feel about it at this point because it's just a bunch of he said she said and um, it, you know it's it's a shame uh, and uh, and moving on to happier stories we did get a <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know you know I don't know how to follow that other than saying it's a happy story but it is a good story uh, we did get a little bit of um, a taste of what season three of Harley Quinn is going to be. Uh, so we're all super fans of the show. So Seth, what, uh, what'd you think of this? I want to make a sign that says, not the way, do not eat, do <laughs> not eat. Uh, because no matter how much a hard drive might look like sushi, uh, when you eat it and then you try to upload content from it using a Wi-Fi. Um, you're asking for all sorts of complications, which we got to, you know, witness. And then I love that when they finally show it, it's like, oh, yeah, so we've got sketches. And so this is more from the um, E-Kill Bang Tour. And <laughs> it's kind of a trailer, and it's kind of a setup for the next season. Uh, anyone questions? Uh, so there was just a, a great feeling of that. And for me, that was just a fun thing because it reminded me of how last year, you know, she's like, I'd love to tell you, I know, but I don't. And and that that frustration of like, why is it so much easier and simpler for other people? But with me, it's always got to be a giant mess. Why does it have to be, you know, that kind of show? So uh, I thought it was like, again, another one. I was like, wow, on brand, guys, like way to be on it. Yeah. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, I, I, I like you describing it as on brand because that is one thing that makes this show so good is that they kind of do know the brand. They do know the characters. And uh, it, it's it's just been so much fun to watch it. And it looks like from what we saw there, a little bit of the, um, the, the if you want, it's not necessarily concept art, but the character sketches that we got to see. It looks like we're going to see Amanda Waller, so that should be interesting. I just, I, the, the world needs another season of Harley Quinn right now. So I, yeah, I, I absolutely can't wait. And I'm so glad that, that it's happening. So, uh, yeah, I, I, this kind of left me wanting more too. It's like, I want to, I want to see, I want to see scenes, you know, so I'm definitely a fan of this. And I, and I gotta say, I, have been a little bit let down by the series, the comic series so far, the Eat, uh, was it the Eat, Bang, Kill tour? Um, it's not quite as good as the show, so uh, I'm missing my show. I want it back. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, definitely excited for that one, too. And another good news coming from fandom is that we learned Titans has been renewed for season four. Uh, it seems like just yesterday we were watching season one. Uh, are you going to be watching season four? <laughs> oh, yeah. I just wrapped up season three, and I had a blast. I loved all the different directions they took. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, and and also, you know, dealt with some really powerful ideas, some really great concepts, and the character choice. For me, it's been hands down. I mean, you know, we have a Tim Drake. I was, I was juice talking about with you that last time. So I love the fact that season four means, hey, let's get Tim in a costume. Let's, you know, 
let's see him training. Let's get him into a couple of great stories and and have some fun with uh, some other possibilities here. Uh, so I also love the fact that, you know, we kind of had Dove leave. We maybe could have her come back season four. Could also introduce other classic Titans characters who we've all just been sort of like, so uh, when do we get Tara? Or, uh, you know what I mean? There's some other fun possibilities out there that I think we as fans are just waiting for the show to explore. And one more season means more opportunity, more great characters, more great stories, and a show that, yeah, I'll be back watching. How about you? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I did finish up season three, and, oh, yeah, I'm I'm very happy. And I'm looking forward to these Titan stories that we talk about here on the podcast, you know, who's been cast as what character and where can they fit in the grand scheme of things? Because one thing is the show does so well is how they introduce characters and how they balance everything out. So I, and Titans has so many characters to draw from. Uh, it'll be so much fun to see what, uh, what they bring in. Are we going to get to see speedy or, you know, I just, yeah, it's going to be so much fun to see what happens. And I really think that they did a lot this season to uh, reinvent the character of Scarecrow. I really like the Scarecrow that we got uh, this season. Now, between <laughs> between the third season of Titans and Fear State, you know, as we always say, it's a good time to be a Scarecrow fan right now. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> I- anyway, I-, I-, I just think that the show has a lot of strengths, and I think that um, they're, they're, they're still firing on all cylinders too. I, I still think they're really at the top of their game. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to what they bring in for, um, for season four. And it looks like also another show has officially been renewed for a new season. And that is Pennyworth. Uh, what about this? Are you caught up on Pennyworth? I'm actually not. I watched season one and it was so good that I ended up watching it during the pandemic with my wife and my mother-in-law. Like it became this like nightly ritual where we would watch two or three episodes and some of it was so intense. But I think also for my mother-in-law, it was great because she her and my wife loved the fashion One, my mother-in-law because, you know, she has a closer, you know, connection to that time period. But then my wife is a big fashion fan, like uh when we went i think we were in paris and there was some like helmet helmet lang is it i think Mm. anyways (laughs) yeah um he was doing a a fashion they were doing a show of his at one of the museums and it was like a big deal because you could see all this iconic and she could tell me she's like that was vogue cover da 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 that was this and i'm like "Uh, oh okay it's beautiful i have no but, you know, for the two of them, that was the cool thing about Pennyworth. And then when season two, uh, it was confusing because suddenly, like, I didn't see Epics on my um, my streaming device. Like, it, it wasn't where it had been. So I was like, okay, where do I need to track this down at? And then I got wrapped up in other stuff. So I'm also excited from this story to see that season one and two will also be showing up on the platform soon. And then that means, A, I get to catch up on season two. B, I get season three to look forward to. I mean, for me, it's it's a win-win situation. How about you? Are you all caught up? Does this I, give you a chance? I, I am not, but I'm 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 glad that they're bringing it to uh, HBO Max. I think once again, I just like you said too. I think that that you really hit the nail on the head when you said you love that you clicked that DC portal on HBO Max and you got it all there, and that is so that is so nice. So I think this belongs there 
as well. Uh, I, there's just not enough time in the day because I would love to be caught up on all of this. But Pennyworth is definitely, uh, definitely close to the top of my list. Um, so <laughs> as soon as I finish Squid Game, maybe I'll start it. You know, but um, <laughs> hopefully I'll be. <laughs> Uh, hopefully I'll be closer uh, to finishing it by the time the third season comes out so I can be caught up. But yeah, um, I what I've seen, I have liked, uh, you know, so, yeah, I, I think this is this is another bit of good news. And what was probably one of my favorite stories coming out of fandom is that we did get a little bit of a teaser for. Naomi and DMZ at Fandom. Uh, what was your take on this? What a great teaser. I mean, what a great setup. <laughs> For starter, uh, I love in this story that we get to see those great images, you know, of uh, Rosario Dawson, um, you know, just in some great scenes that look like they're pulled right from the comic. Uh, especially that that one in the bottom left corner. There's something about that picture that just, you know, there was the chaos I remember of one of the flashback scenes in uh, in the book, and it was just that sense of like everyone kind of turning on everyone, and that that moment where you know you can see her, what feels like she's yelling or raising her voice, you know, reminds me of just that frenzy that I felt reading those pages. And then, man, Naomi was so pitch perfect. Like there was something just wonderful about she's giving this presentation. And then there's a stunt <laughs> going on right nearby. And she's like, I will be right back. I need this for my blog. Um, I don't know if I have that, you know, or had at my at that age, the quality where I could be like, yeah, I'm going to run out of class, which means I'm, you know, unexcused, leave campus and go down <laughs> and get in a bunch of trouble for anything I was working on, let alone a blog. So. I love that, like, enthusiasm, the passion, the kind of, like, nothing is as important as this. And then that moment that was right from the comics, you know, just that that great sort of, like, whoa, I'm down. Wait, how'd it happen? I missed it? Wait, what was that? Like, there was just all of those moments reminded me exactly of the first issue, that, that, that same sense of feeling of, like, this kid who's like, ah, my big chance to see the person I'm most interested in, the hero I most admire. And I blacked out. What happened? I mean, I missed it. Like that, that, that's such a great tone that I love about the series because that's what really kind of kicks her going. Like, what did I miss? And through that, she discovers what else she's been missing. Uh, it, I thought it was, you know, pitch perfect again. What did you think? Man? Oh yeah. Uh, pitch perfect. That's a great way to describe it. I I can't wait for the show. The book was was so good, uh, and I just love the idea that they're bringing it to TV. It's like a perfect fit, and uh, yeah, I mean the trailer was so good. DMZ, uh, man, I don't know four four episodes is that's a big story to cram into four episodes. So I kind of hope it's something they can expand on that they don't that they kind of leave it open that they can bring you know, bring in more of the story. Um, and, and I do like too that because when, when I've been reading the setup for the TV series, it seemed more like it was going to be told from the character of Z in the comics. And I like that they brought that up in, 
in this little presentation because it, it, you know it, it kind of made me realize that I wasn't crazy uh, <laughs> that 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 was kind of by design that it really it was kind of from the Z character's point of view. Um, yeah, I just I, I just hope that four episodes is enough. And Naomi, I just hope it goes on as, you know, for 10 seasons. So, yeah, this is this was great to see. And something else that was cool to see is we got our first look at Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer from Sandman series. Uh, what do you think of this? I think it was a great image. I mean, I really like the way it's presented. And there's this sort of ominous feeling. I mean, <laughs> one, I think there's just something very important about the aesthetic of that first image, the way the shadows sort of play on the sides, the way they slope up kind of like horns, but they also uh, shape uh, her face in this very, very specific expression and pose. One that is, it feels like equal parts like measuring as well as watching and just sort of like waiting, you know, that patient in movies, they'll show the vultures circling to kind of identify the idea that characters are in danger and the feeling of them just like patiently waiting. And I had that sense from this, especially with the images in the next one, you know, these very angular, taloned, uh, what appear to be leathery or something similar to that wings and that that same sort of you know, vulture-like uh, impression, this idea of something that is just very ominous and clearly watching, waiting, and looking for the, the easiest opportunity. You know, when are you at your weakest? And that sounds like a perfect match for the character for me. So I thought both images did a really nice job of that. What did you think? Yeah, I, I think my favorite thing about these images is that it felt really like Sandman, you know, it wasn't, um, I felt like I was looking at a Neil Gaiman invention rather than an interpretation of his work, uh, if that makes sense. So that gives me a lot of hope that we're going to see a lot of the heart and soul of the series in the Netflix show. Um, but yeah, I, the, the wings and the, the coloring, it, it felt really much like Lucifer from the comics in a way. It felt like that same kind of like you said, aesthetic. So I was, I was very pleased with that. And yeah, this this show can't come soon enough. Oh man, so much, so much to be excited about. Something else to be excited about is that the uh, wacky characters in Doom Patrol are going to get a season four. Uh, what do you uh, make of this? Dude, more Doom Patrol is just a better thing for the world, for me as a person, for society as a whole. Uh, all you have to do is watch the current season to understand what I'm talking about and to have watched the previous seasons. And if not, to go and do that now. Watch all three. Catch up. And then agree with me afterwards. Or disagree. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. But yeah, it's just about more good things, more enjoyable things. Um, for me, it's one of those things that's just kind of like, Hey, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of good here. There's a lot of fun. And it, it continues to explore all of the zaniest parts of DC Comics and the DC Comics universe. Um, I think it, it captures it so well. It, it brings these characters to life um, in such short moments that, you know, in comics it had to build you know, over quite a bit. 
but also uh, along the way, like you get this wonderful cast of original characters. You you get these wonderful ideas that come straight from the comics, and that when they do, they they engender the kind of excitement we had, like you know, the uh, the recent detectives and others. So I, I think anytime you get a chance to you know, continue to enjoy and explore that, like where's where's the bad? It's just bonus at that point. That's that's my take. Season four, give me more. What'd you think, Cliff? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I just love that we're at a point uh, that a show as weird as Doom Patrol can be heading into four seasons. Uh, the stories are very something that it's familiar to comic book readers, but may seem completely outlandish and confusing to somebody who doesn't read comics. And I just love that that's getting more mainstream, that those weird kind of stories. And this is the the best group of characters to make those kind of stories with. So I think it's, it's uh, such a kind of dream combination between the characters and storytelling uh, that, you know, it's, and it's written so well that I can see that it lasted for season four, but it's just, it's, it's, a uh, it's just great to see this nerd culture that we love become so mainstream. So yeah, bring on season five, season six, as many as you want. Um, yeah. I, I, I never thought that I would live in a world where Doom Patrol would almost be household names. So, yeah, it's 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 great. And we also got to see uh, a trailer for the Peacemaker show debut on Fandom. Uh, what was uh, what was your take on this? Is there there an appropriate word for like silly zany that kind of captures both together? Because that's kind of where I'm torn right now. Uh, (laughs) this was one of those things where it just seemed like, I mean, all I can hear is the song. Do you really, really, do you really want to taste it? Um, and, and if you know what I'm talking about, then you're aware of the impression that this, you know, trailer can make on someone, which clearly it did on me. Um, and all of the, the stuff that I love, like for one, the tone of vigilante was just amazing. You know, that whole like, yeah, this is what we do. And then sometimes this isn't what we do. And, you know, along the way, um, I, I think it's really easy to see you know, there's going to be this great mix of humor. There's going to be a little bit of, um, you know, character development on the part of Peacemaker. I don't know how much or how severe, maybe just minor, but there will be some. And then on top of it, I mean, how cool is that eagle? How cute is that eagle? And how great is that scene of the two of them singing along in the car as they were? <laughs> so those are some of my favorite high points. I'm sure I didn't cover nearly enough. Brad, take it away, my friend. Uh, yeah, I no, I think you did. I think you, all you had to know is the eagle, really. <laughs> but um, man, I, you know, if you would have told me when I was, you know, twelve or thirteen that there would be a show where we got to see a live action vigilante. I would never have, never have believed you. Uh, I always, I always dug vigilante's costume. Um, granted it was an adult title that I probably shouldn't have been reading when I did, but I always thought that it was a very underrated DC character. And I just love the idea that he's going to be in the series and you got a pet bald eagle. What more could you, what more could you ask for? And it's, 
John Cena does comedy well. Uh, this seems like it's right up his alley. He's having a lot of fun. So yeah, this this and and James Gunn can do no wrong. So I I like his tone. I love what he's done with characters. So yeah, this is another one that I'm completely uh, excited for. And moving on to some other little bit of news that came out of Fandom. Uh, Flash is getting an upgrade with some golden boots for season eight. So Seth, what do you uh, what do you think of these boots? Are you glad that the boots are back? Oh yeah, it's costume authentic. Like I love that part of Fandom where he was like, it's the one piece that's been missing. It's the one thing that the Flash has always you know portrayed so often. And it's one of the more iconic elements of his costume that to not have them, you know, I, I really loved the way um, <clears throat> Barry was talking about how that way he that was the one piece he felt was missing that connected them clearly directly like to this is the flash and it's the yellow boots and it's time. It's season eight and, you know, you paid your dues. OK, gold boots time. Let's do this. Plus. It, it adds to the image like later you're going to recognize it when you're watching the show and, and you see those super speed moments, the yellow that's been missing from the ground, the way it created this series of trails that started with the head, then the, uh, you know, along the arms and wrists um, from the wings and then down to the boots. That was always part of that iconic feel when you saw him sprinting, like you always knew there was the yellow at the feet and without them. It's just that, you know, again, aesthetic. It was something that was mission. Missing and Brad, I'm curious to hear your takes on a uh, flicky fashion sort of perspective. <laughs> yeah, man, the gold boots—they look good. Um, there's a reason why they are iconic and they go well with the costume. Uh, so I, I think that that's cool that they're bringing them back. And I'm glad that you brought that because that's something that I was going to bring up is the the visuals of how it, it looks when he's running in the Speed Force. I always got that that iconic vision in my mind, and it had the boots like you're saying the wrist and the wings and things like that i so i i hope that they kind of update those effects on the show because that would be really cool to see that come back um yeah and i you know and, and i like that uh, grant gustin was pushing for the yellow boots and now he's gonna get them so he seemed pretty excited about that so um yeah uh, yeah i i think it's a great idea all around definitely and also, we got to see the trailer for Young Justice Phantoms. Now, you mentioned Young Justice earlier in the podcast. Uh, so what do you, you make of this trailer? Oh, man. One of the things about the Young Justice trailers is you could watch it like 15 times and see something new every time. So I was just sort of overwhelmed, like, it's back, it's back, I'm ready. Oh, yes, happy, happy. It's one of my favorite like it's not a guilty pleasure it is a favorite pleasure like there is something earnest and delightful it's like the scenes at the end where they show uh crypto sleeping yeah. you know what i mean like it's it's that feeling of like ah oh, isn't that nice doesn't that feel nice and watching every episode does it it makes these characters into the characters that I felt when I read them. And it, it brings out their best sides and also their most human sides. And it's been such a good show. This trailer was such a reminder of all the things I have to look forward to. And then getting to watch the first two episodes was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm already in there. 
And it's already doing so much so well that I'm really pleased with. What did you think, buddy? You know, uh, man, it reminds me of what I said earlier and the fact that there just aren't enough hours in the day. I'm not caught up on Young Justice in this trailer. Oh, man, it really makes me think that I really got to put some time into this because these this trailer's been great. Um, other clips that I've seen and the way that um, you and, and Steve really talk up the show, I realize it's really something special that I'm missing out on. So I really, I really got to catch up. Um, and when I do, I, I have this phantoms thing to, you know, to, to look forward to. So, yeah, I, I really dug it and it got my kind of got my excitement up for the, you know, to watch the entire series. So uh, I just need to, to add like another 24 hours to each day where I can just sit there and absorb DC content and nothing else. And then I'll be caught up soon enough. But uh, with that, we will take our second ad break. And we will be coming back with some comic news. So stick around. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spitter Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Bub, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not in need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. And welcome back once again to episode 138 of the DC Comics News Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Flicky. With me is Seth Singleton. We've been talking a lot of stuff that has come out of fandom as far as... Uh, movies, uh, TV, and streaming. And now we're going to move to comic book news. 
Uh, and up first is that it has revealed that uh, John Kent is going to come out as bisexual. So Seth, what was your take on this? I think it's really interesting the reaction that has been out there regarding this decision. It it seems like it would be something that would just be I, I guess I'm reminded not too long ago of someone saying it's gonna be nice when at some point this is just something that is shared however it's shared and it doesn't become such a national a need for a national argument conversation that it should just be something that's said and then is. I, I I guess that's the the first thing that comes out. Um, the second is that I think it, it's a really smart decision on the part of Tom Taylor to take advantage of the opportunity to consider what the possibilities are for John Kent and not to limit them to um, just a heterosexual point of view. That there can be other ways of considering what the values behind a character are, what the values a character believes in and supports, and that in making that choice. He has a chance to consider what is going through the minds um, and the experiences of so many people throughout the world right now. And I think that's a really great way to uh, view the character from a more conscientious point of view. And in doing so, to also give readers the chance to learn more about um, someone who might be part of their you know, immediate circle, someone who might be part of their community, and through these stories can you know, not only better understand what John's experiences are, his relationship experiences are, but also maybe the people in their lives who until this point, they didn't have the same degree or level of understanding, and now they get the chance to. And because of that, um, I think this is a really amazing opportunity, and I think it's also something that it feels like it's one of those things that I'm really excited for. And yet at the same time, I'm looking forward to it being uh, more normalized so that when these announcements are made, they can be added to what we know about the character and the possibilities for the development. And instead of um, uh, a lot of vitriol and apparent confusion, about which Superman this is and and what people do and don't understand about comics characters and the stories that comic fans care about. What did you think, man? Yeah, yeah, very well said. Uh, almost since their creation, superheroes have been used to really reflect what's going on in the world, um, whether it's, you know, the way that, Superman and Captain America fought Nazis in World War II to the X-Men kind of being a reflection of the civil rights movement. Uh, and now we have this big discussion going on with how important representation can be. And it is great that uh, that they are taking advantage of these moments to really say something and really add uh, you, you know, depth and three-dimensionality to these characters. And, you know, and I, I do agree, too, that it'll be nice when it could be something that just is. It doesn't have to be something that has to make major headlines. It's just, oh, yeah, okay, you know. But in the meantime, it's great that we have these stories that can move that argument in a positive direction. So, yeah, I think this is a, this is a cool story. 
And up next, uh, Superman receives a new mission statement, and that is for a better tomorrow. Uh, what do you think of this? Um, man, I think it's one of the best choices you can have going on right now. I think it's one of the best decisions and best intentions. I mean, I think one of the greatest things about Superman is that he's understood where he was born and and how that influences his viewpoint, but also how the more he's looking at what's possible and the more he's suggesting to his son that as a stranger, you know, who didn't always feel like he had been born here on the planet, his son had and his son had been conceived uh, on Earth, within the environment of Earth, and then also was raised as an Earthling who is part Kryptonian and part human. That awareness has always been something that has expanded. And I think just like John Kent is able to show us what it is that he can reflect about our world as it is now, I think he can also reflect what a Superman of our present time would be looking at and that it's not about national borders. It's not about the American way. Instead, I think it's more about what it is that we can all benefit from, what it is that he can do on all of our behalfs. And I think about, you know, the idea of a better tomorrow, and it doesn't limit itself to national borders. It looks at all of us, uh, the idea of us being not a series of, you know, microcosms, but actually one giant macrocosm that we are all depending on each other. And through that, by looking and working towards a better tomorrow for us all, we improve the chances for all of us. We, we improve the quality of life for all of us. And that this awareness is one in which we don't have to be, we don't have to be so conscientious of our borders that they dictate how we treat others throughout the world. And by making a statement about a better tomorrow, I think that's the example Superman is setting. Um, what do you think, my friend? Yeah, like I said, too, is that comics and these superheroes, they can really reflect the world as is at the moment. And um, one thing that COVID taught us or should have taught us is that we are all in this together. It was a global thing. It's not just about, like you're saying, the national borders. It was about us all coming together uh, as a species to move forward, to make a better future for the planet and everybody on it. And I think that that new mission statement fits that great, especially because there are a lot of people out there that didn't learn that lesson from COVID. And in so many ways, we're so more divided than ever. Um, who's better to help bring us together than Superman? So I think that, uh, yeah, like you're saying, it's a great decision. I, I love it. And I'm, I'm 100% behind it. And moving on, we did learn that. Uh, so we're going to get a little more delays with some comics uh, because of the supply chain issues that are affecting so much right now. And it looks like some of the bigger things that are going to be affected are the omnibus and um, absolute additions. Uh, what was your what was your takeaway from this? You know, I came across this problem a couple months back. I was helping my mom. She needed to get a new car 
and we were trying to figure out how to get one for what our best options were. And, and one of the challenges we had to face was the amount of time it took to even get a hold of a car and the supply chain issue. So uh, it, it wasn't hard to see that the trickle down would occur in numerous industries and it appears to be affecting all types of industries, everything from uh, whirlpools and you name it, hot tubs and things like that. Um, it, it only makes sense that given how many delays there are and how many issues there are with supply, supply chains, deliveries, manufacturing, distribution, all that stuff, that it would be the smart choice to say, okay, well, instead of getting, you know, all over the place with this stuff, let's get an estimate on, you know, how much the delay could be. And then from there, you know, give everyone a heads up and strategize with the understanding that, we're going to try and be as prepared as we can to to manage that. But also, we need to let people know that we can see this happening. We know it's happening. And it's more likely that it's going to affect some of the bigger books, which you're dealing with that much content. You know, you, you require that much more in supplies, materials and distribution. So uh, it's not terribly surprising. I mean, it's always disappointing. But I also think I would hope, actually, I know I have. and I don't know if others, but. I learned a lot of patience in the past year or two, um, <laughs> and it's become one of those things where along with that patience has come a great deal of gratitude. So I'm thankful we will still be getting these and it hasn't led to actual cancellations of any kind that, you know, th this is just one of those things that if you've had to be patient about anything else recently, this is just something else to include. And hey, when it comes to comics, for me, it's it's always worth it. Like the reward's always there. I'm going to enjoy it and maybe just a little bit more because I had to wait just a little bit longer. What do you think, man? You know, I, this, you're right. It's not surprising. And it feels, you know, a lot more transparent than all those delays that we were dealing with during COVID. Uh, the whole thing seems to be more understandable and they're not, um, they're not it, it seems like the delays aren't as bad there's not that kind of sense of why that we had with all those delays that were going on during covid so i think that um it's something that you just have to deal with as the world continues to come out of this nightmare that it's been into the last two years you know um i i think that the payoff is worth it you know like you said and it's, I'm a gamer, so I'm used to long delays. So it's it's worth the wait for me. Um, it's just you know it's just one of those prices that we have to pay with what's going on in the world right now. Um, just have to kind of stick with it and suffer through it. And up next uh, is Milestone has dropped some news about the about its future at Fandom. Uh, what was your uh, what was your take on this? Oh, man, it, it was such a big announcement. I mean, um, you know, for starters, the fact that you're going to do a Static Shock movie. Oh, and just for kicks, yeah, Michael B. Jordan's involved. Oh, and <laughs> <laughs> while we're at it, um, if that doesn't get you excited more, um, you know, the writer behind the current Static Shock is involved with the writing of it. Oh, oh, oh. 
And if you were a fan of, and I will say I was hands down a fan because it showed me something I did not understand and I was so excited for because it, it opened my eyes. Dude, Blood Syndicate's coming back. I mean, this was a comic that it, it, it challenged everything I thought I knew about anything that was portrayed in media. Like it, it, it dropped in such a ground level idea for me. And then along the way, it had some of my favorite characters from a talking dog to <laughs> some of the best, you know, interactions and interplay. It's going to be amazing. And then on top of it, you're doing an animated film. Ah, like just seeing that that awesome sketch of hardware as an animated and thinking about seeing him, you know, man, uh, a lot of excitement, a lot of great excitement. And it's just, you know, it's just the beginning of news that we've got from Milestone. What did you think, man? Yeah, man, I'm 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 excited. I love that Michael B. Jordan is involved. Um, I I think that that's one more step closer to him coming out and saying, "Yeah, we're gonna make a President Superman movie, and I'm gonna be Superman." I think we're <laughs> that much closer. Uh, but yeah, I I've really, you know, I I didn't discover the milestone characters when they first came out. It just came out at a time when I wasn't collecting, so. These the, this new relaunch of Milestone has been really informative to me to read to discover these characters and I and I just love that that it's been such a success that they're going to expand. Like I'm not familiar with Blood Syndicate, so hearing you talk makes me excited. You know, I'm I'm all down for a talking dog. So yeah, I I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what what they what they put out. I mean, the talent behind it is great. So yeah, I I think we're in for some some really cool um some cool stuff from them and up next uh we uh can, we're continuing on with the milestone uh news and uh looks like they have announced the milestone initiative to bring in a next generation of creators uh, what was your take on this such a brilliant idea I mean, the excitement that I know is out there for Milestone already and then giving young creators an opportunity to come in and learn from the best one week in person, eight weeks virtual. Like, man, what a huge opportunity and doing it through Qbert School. I mean, it's a it's a great foundation to branch off from, to be connected to. And hopefully it just means more and more you know, for for people to enjoy about new creators, new possibilities, new characters at Milestone. But also, I mean, I love it when there's a clear path. Um, years ago, I was working at as a sports reporter. And by then, my my whole soccer career and knee thing was just, you know, it was just one of those nice things to cheer for other people. And I remember hearing this story about they were going to have a local arena team and it was going to be an open tryout. Anybody who walked through the doors had an opportunity to try out for this team. They weren't looking just at college. I mean, it was a huge story because the the chance that you could just be some person off the street and and come in and get a starting contract, it it, it almost never happens. So when you hear that someone is making such a you know recognizable, such a substantial effort to say, hey, the door's open. You think you got it? Here's how you do it. You know, come put your stuff up. Come see how you measure, and if you get a chance to get in the door. And up until now, I can't think of that many opportunities that have been suggested. I've loved what's come out of D.C. recently with a lot of their new talent, you know, from a little while back. But I think in regards to what you were saying earlier about representation, 
this has got to be one of the best opportunities that's been the most clearly stated that I can remember in recent, if not any time in comics history. What did you think, man? It's such a great idea. You know, if you're if you are an athlete, if you're a musician and you want to go pro, there are certain ways that you know to go about it. You know, if you're an athlete, you start playing in high school and then you get a scholarship in college and then you try to go pro music. You try to to create a local band that does good and then go off to your closest city and go from there and that kind of thing. But with comics, there's no there's no roadmap. And if you, you know, if you go to a lot of cons where, you know, they're opening a Q&A, like a writer opens a Q&A at a panel, it, almost every single one of those panels, somebody's going to ask, how did you break into comics? Because nobody knows how to do it. So it is so great to have this as something that is worked through such a, a respectable avenue as cuber school being involved something like that and it's just and like the whole representation thing too it's just it is uh, a great idea all around and it, it's it's going to be cool to see you know if um the talent that they find through this if they realize that that is a great avenue to go down and they kind of expand it as as well throughout maybe through all all of dc or something i don't know but it's such a great such a great grasp roots way to get people involved i uh, i just i love it i think it's a great idea and up next we learn that uh, monkey prince is going to be returning in a new comic series in 2022 are you going to be picking this up oh yeah i was a really <laughs> big fan of the dc festival of heroes i thought that was such a great book um and the monkey prince was so much fun like i love the personality i love the idea of the characters you know, secret identity. And I love the basis for this. I'm not as familiar. I'm I'm peripherally familiar with Journey to the West. Like I recognize a couple of the characters' names, but I don't remember the storyline well. And so now this is something I want to check out uh, and have a reference to. And I think also just the timing, you know, releasing it, um, kicking it off for the Lunar New Year, you know, recognizing the history that you want to uh, present and the, the story that you want to tell and having a great cast of characters and the rest of the characters looked awesome. I love the art. I love the style. I love uh, the approach and bonus, dude, you've got Gene Luen Yang doing the uh, writing and Bernard Chang on the art. Like Gene Luen Yang has blown me away in everything he's been working on, um, whether it was Batman, Superman or so many other great projects. So I think he's a, a really great choice. Looking forward to seeing what he does with this character. I already loved what I've seen so far. How about you? Going to be on your short list? Yeah, you know, I, 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 I uh, when we did the wrap up video show um, last week, I, I, I wasn't able to be on it too long, but I think this is one of the stories that Josh brought up, and I'll say again that DC, I have collected almost every DC issue that's come out since they started Fear State, or I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Future State. Uh, I, I just really like what they're doing. And this is another one of those books. It's like, well, I guess you got me again, DC. I'm there. You, you know, just take my money. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just think they're doing a lot of cool things with the character. And I, it's 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 going to be a fun read. So, um, yeah, and it's not something that I would have guessed would happen. So it's kind of, that was kind of a nice surprise as well. And 
Up next, we learned about uh, a bit of a big crossover event that's going to happen in Wonder Woman called Trial of the Amazons. Uh, would uh, would you make of this? I think it's a really cool concept. You know, I just had the chance to read a review, uh, Nubia and the Amazons, and they're, they're playing with some really fun ideas in each of the titles, whether it's, uh, you know, the current Wonder Woman title, the Wonder Girl title, um, Nubia and the Amazons. And one of the things they pointed out pretty early from Future State was the idea of this like big conflict from Yara Flora coming in and, you know, making one her presence known in Brazil and then two sort of trying to look for, you know, a connection to a history that a lot of people are like, we don't want you digging around in there. Like what you're stirring up is going to create a lot of problems. And we're seeing the ripple effects of that now in these other titles and it's also been pointed out that there's a lot of higher calling stuff going on for uh, Diana. So knowing that in the meantime, there's going to be all of these other members of the Amazons who are going to either be in conflict or be working on different problems that they're all facing. It's, it's going to define, as this you know article points out, what the future for the Amazons is really going to look like. And um, I think how we're going to get there and what we're going to discover along the way, it's going to be really interesting at the end to see how this is defining the Amazons, uh, the pillar characters, and their sort of, I think, what will be their sort of long-term missions and goals, either the challenges, the quests, or um, just the, you know, continuing to bear the standard might look like. What did you think? Yeah, I really dig this idea because there is such a lot of interesting things going on in the Wonder Woman books, you know, especially with um, reintroducing Nubia as Queen of the Amazons um, and all and, and Yara Flora is such a fan favorite character. Uh, it, it's kind of great to see them kind of tie everything together and and kind of reestablish the hierarchy with those characters. And the story looks like it's going to be very significant to the future of what happens in those Wonder Woman books. So it's it's going to be something that I'm really going to enjoy watching unfold to see how, you know, the, the dust settles and how that new hierarchy kind of um, shows itself. Because you, I, I love the stuff that's going on with Diana. I'm glad that she's back, but I loved all the stuff where she was messing around with the Norse gods and um, having her do her thing and then how all of the other mythology in the Wonder Woman books is being spread out. It's just going to be kind of cool to see that all coalesce. So I'm I'm looking forward to that as well. And something else is um, that also seems like um, there's going to be a little like coalescing of what's been going on with the characters is that uh, we're going to be getting an Aquaman series coming out. Uh, what was your take on this? I think it's a really interesting choice to, uh, you know, suggest that Black Manta number three has that prelude to the Aquamen. It's like, okay, well, who are the Aquamen? And I love that the article does some speculating, which is fun, but I feel like it doesn't go far enough because Black Manta has been on a really interesting arc right now. What if he is part of the Aquamen? You know, and this ends up being something where it's him working with Aquaman, working with Garth, um, working with uh, the new Aquaman, (laughs) you know, there's at least one young justice character who I could potentially see. Like, I think that it's going to be a really interesting mix of um, maybe one or two 
collaborating on something and then gradually finding that they need to increase their numbers and that in doing so we've got this underwater team squad um i think it would be also interesting to see if this eventually leads to an aqua women because i feel there are some really cool underwater female characters from atlantis who would also be awesome to team up in a small or large super group so uh like the potential behind it love the uh possibilities it suggests and it's one of those great things where it's like it teases us just enough to leave us wondering, speculating, questioning, and of course, at the end, still just going like, and then we don't know. We just, <laughs> what did you think? Yeah, there's not, um, there's not a whole lot of stuff to go on in this article, but it's a, it is a cool, uh, it's a cool thing because we do have the becoming series with with that Aquaman and we still have Arthur Curry. We still have the stuff that's going on like in the Black Manta series. And I'm hoping that it'll tie into the um, Aquaman Green Arrow series that's coming out, things like that. It'll be, it'll be fun to see how that all ties together as well. So uh, just like with Wonder Woman, I'm enjoying all these things that are going on with all these different characters. And it'll be kind of cool to see that all come together. Uh, so yeah, we'll see what it's about. And you're right too. There's plenty of, of, important aqua women characters maybe that can come after but um yeah it's it's uh it's one of those things it's just it's good to be a dc fan but one thing that's not as good is that uh the justice league dark uh serial backup stories is going to be ending uh what was your what was your take on this i mean initially really disappointed you know, just because of how gorgeous the series has been, you know, since its inception. And I love the idea behind always having a series that focuses on the magical side of justice and what it means to do battle and fight for the right and all of those things in a world where it's not just about the knockout punch, you know, where there's other roles and other forces and usually a bit more of a compromise and also... <laughs> a certain mix of impossibility and Ramvi's done a wonderful job with this but you know it's interesting that in this article that that we learned that he's actually wrapping up on a number of projects i mean catwoman's coming to a close with number 38 that's also disappointing um but then you look at what he's got going on and that is you know in addition to doing a new venom series he's also launching a creator-owned series at vault comics that i can't imagine how much work that is um, so I would imagine that, as he says, basically at the beginning of this article, like life happens and I had to cut back on the workload so I can understand his reasons. But I also love the hope and optimism he offers for Justice League Dark saying I'm leaving it in a way where I hope other writers, other creators are going to come along and pick it up and keep this story going. And I also feel like he's leaving the possibility like and if somebody doesn't, who knows? Give me a year or two. I could be back. I got plenty of stories left to tell. It's just in order to tell some other ones I want right now, I had to make some hard choices. And it sounds like Catwoman and uh, Justice League Dark are among those hard choices. But I'm always, you know, trying to be thoughtful, considerate of what it means for a creator when there's an opportunity to do a passion project. And they're like, this could be my moment. I, I, I have to strike when I think it's best. So I want to give him full credit for, you know, making the choice that he is recognizing how hard it must be, how hard it sounds, and also trying to be grateful and optimistic for the future, right? What did you think, man? Yeah, you summed it up pretty well. Yeah, uh, as sad as I am to see this end, I think that 
we will see th- these characters come back. We're already going to see them come back in the Flash in January to fight Eclipso. So that's one good thing about being able to step away now is that uh, they ha- uh, he's built up these characters enough and got their reputation up where they know those stories are going to be good. So he can leave them in uh, somebody else's hands. They're not going to die on the vine. They're popular enough that they'll always be used in some ways, which means that they'll be ready there for him when he's ready to pick up uh, writing them again, which, yeah, like you said, give him a year or two. Um, With comics, that's not necessarily that long. So it might not be that long before he, you know, before he comes back. But at least the characters are on strong legs on their own that they're not going to, you know, disappear. So I do, I do think that we'll, not only see more from Justice League Dark, but more from Ramby writing them uh, in the in the future. So it's, that's something that I can feel pretty positive about. And something else that I'm really going to look forward to is Garth Ennis is going to be writing a Peacemaker one-shot called Disturbing the Peace. Uh, what, what, uh, what did you make of this? I think it's a really smart move. I mean, I was a little disappointed back when the Inferior Five came to a close suddenly with uh, Jeff Lemire, because in the the backup for that series, he was telling a really interesting Peacemaker story that they got in some really twisted ideas about voices he hears from the helmet and other fun things like that. Uh, so getting the chance to unlock the psyche of a guy who, I mean, just from Suicide Squad alone, you're like, whoa, what? Um, and then, you know, trying to understand what the history has been like from his inception at Charlton to arriving at D.C. to his recent incarnations. And then how do you bridge the Suicide Squad to the Peacemaker series? Well, this is a really great one shot. And I love the technique. You know, you've got a device like uh, using a psychiatrist and then trying to, you know, have Task Force X, like understand what this guy is, what his motivations are, and how do you make that something that's part of a functional plan, team, anything like that. I mean, it's a really smart approach. It can lead to some really great comedy, some great sincerity, and the previews point to the possibility of a very severe mix of the two. What did you think, man? If there's ever been a character that Garth Ennis has been born to write, it's Peacemaker. Uh, I think his peacemaker could be every bit as good as his Punisher. And Garth Ennis is one of my favorite writers. Preacher is still one of my favorite stories of all time. So nobody can handle the violence and comedy quite like Garth Ennis. So I think that uh, it's perfect. I I wish it was going to announce as a series and not just a one shot. And I just wonder that if people like it enough that he'll do a series. I hope so, because I think that it would be a great read. I can't I can't wait for this. This will be one of those books that I'll be reading as I wait to check out. I, I wouldn't even be able to wait until I get out of the comic shop. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be reading it before. I'm I sure you're not alone, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and our last bit of comic book news is that uh, DC has announced Batman the Night. Uh, which is a 10-issue exploration of Bruce Wayne's origins. Uh, what was uh, what was your uh, takeaway on this? You know, initially I was like, wow, do we need another back in the early days Batman? But there's so much that can be explored. There's so much fertile ground that's available there. And the thing that actually kind of registered when I looked at that title again, The Night, 
is it reminded me of the recent Batman the Detective story that's been taking place in England and how you've got there the knight and the squire and some really interesting characters who I didn't know as much about that I'm enjoying reading this. And that I, I also discovered that there's this whole other like bat European, um, you know, syndicate conglomerate uh, cabal um, <laughs> that he's got in that series. That's pretty interesting. So I do feel like the idea of suggesting him meeting up with Ducard and and maybe seeing more of this like knight slash uh, noble quest or uh, maybe even a history that connects to some of that internationally could be some cool approaches and then chip zadarsky you know he's done some really fun stuff with a lot of great characters uh whether they be for the big two or some of the great independent um brands out there too and i've really been impressed by what he's done i i I like overall just his personality and spirit so i feel like knowing that and knowing what the potential is and the idea that could be behind night i think it's got like a lot that i'm gonna look forward to and it's great because initially I was like, eh. and then as I read more, I thought, you know, as I sink my teeth into this, there's there's some great flavor here. And uh, I don't know what to say. Now you've whet my appetite. What about you, man? Yeah, I am curious. Uh, I do feel like you that this is we've seen these stories before. So, you know, it's like, well, is it going to be something that kind of felt like a rehash? But I I. I I think they might be onto something here. And like you were saying too, uh, Chip Sadarsky's super talented. So I'll be curious to see what he does. And I, I like the idea of possibly getting something that's uh, a new twist on, on the character, because that is, it, it seems like we have seen so many Batman stories through so many mediums over the years that when somebody can come out, with something that feels fresh and new, you really have to pay attention to it. And I'm hoping this can be one of those stories. So, yeah, I, I think I will be I will be checking this out. And that does wrap up our comic news. Now, we have a few more stories in the other category. And first off is going to be that Sam uh, Whitver was cast in a new Batman podcast. Uh, what was your what was your takeaway on this? I think it's really cool that you can get an experienced voice who's familiar with the characters. You know, somebody who's worked on different projects, most recently doing things like the voice of Orm in uh, Justice League Throne of Atlantis. Um, I, I feel like he's going to bring not only an understanding of, of the different approaches you want, depending on a character and, and how they're being portrayed in a story, but also how valuable voice is. I mean, there's what it does for animation, but then there's also what it can do in a podcast. And I think that experience is just going to really serve something like this Batman podcast really well. Um, I'm looking forward to, you know, hearing who else we might be adding. And you've already got an amazing cast. I mean, anytime I hear John Rhys Davies, I'm I'm sold. Like, (laughs) I'm just so, uh, you know, I like the idea that this could be a great opportunity for uh, Sam Witwer to establish that similar sort of reputation through his continued work. What about you, my friend? Yeah. uh, I I like the idea that he is cast because Sam Witwer, he's had some experience playing DC characters. He knows uh, the characters. He knows the lore a little bit, but he is going to be playing a cannibalistic serial killer known as the harvester. That sounds frightening. So this, this podcast is probably going to be pretty dark and that's, that's intriguing. 
Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm really curious to, to check this out and I'll go back to what I just said that it's, we've seen so many Batman stories and so many different mediums that I like it when, when something does feel fresh and new and it's looking like this podcast might be one of those things as well. So yeah, this should be interesting. And up next, we're moving on to some video game stories. Uh, we got, um, another, uh, story trailer for Gotham Knights, which shows the court of owls, uh, prominently. Uh, what was your, what was your take on this? You know, I really enjoyed this part of uh, fandom when they were talking about the idea of Gotham Knights and they brought in, you know, like Scott Snyder, who's like, yeah, I created this. And now I'm watching them take it, you know, to this next degree through the game. And his enthusiasm just kind of sold me. Like I was like, dude, if you're the guy who wrote this and you love what they're doing in a game with it. I mean, you know, that that for me, just, uh, you know, the old saying proof is in the pudding. Well, that that tells me the proof is right there. Like, you know, clearly if a writer is excited, you know, just like we were talking about with why, you know, where Brian K. Vaughn is like, wow, they've done better than I did. You know, if you can equal or surpass the original content, that's that's the whole goal. Your your constant attempt is to elevate, expand, enrich. And it sounds like that's something that they're accomplishing with this. And I love that they're including Court of Owls, which I think was one of those really wonderful opportunities to re-examine Batman's history and uncover this like great piece that changes everything about what you think you know up until this point. And I think the game gets to explore even more of that, along with, uh, you know, so many great classic characters like Freeze and Penguin. How about you? Yeah, uh, I, I love it when newer characters really enter into the overall mythology in a big way. Uh, to me, I the Court of Owls seems like they were just introduced yesterday. You know, it wasn't that long ago. So I love the fact that they're becoming um, like big players like in this game. And um, uh, was, I believe they were in Gotham the show Gotham. So that was kind of cool to see. Um, yeah, I, I think they're going to make great villains in this game. I just, and, and this will go into this next story that we're talking about too. I just really wish we could have gotten more gameplay trailers. And and when it comes to video games, I'll be the first to admit that I like story trailers better generally, because that's why I play games is for the story. But I really kind of want to see where these games are I as far as, what they're going to look like when you're playing them and how far along are they in the production process to actually get, get it released. When are we going to get a release date for it? But that's going to lead in nicely to this next story is that we also got a new story trailer for um, Suicide Squad kills the Justice League. Uh, what was your take on this trailer? I mean, I, I know games, you know, through what I hear about them and hear about from you guys. And so for me, it's always just, you know, it's a world that I'm always sort of peeking in on. Um, the concept for this was always really cool and getting a chance to see how they want to portray it in the game and, and watching them try to take on characters like Superman or The Flash or others. Um, it was a lot of fun for me. It just made me chuckle because before you even get that, you also get the fact that these are still the same old screw up screwballs you've always known. And, um, you know, that's who's taking on the Justice League. So that they're probably going to do their, you know, they're going to do what they do when it comes to that attempt. And along the way, we're going to have some great laughs, I'm sure. How about you? Yeah, I love the idea that we're getting a more solid story than what we got with that 
little trailer that we got last year. Uh, so we kind of get to see what the story's about. We kind of get to see the character designs for the Justice League and things like that, which was great. But again, I have my I have my misgivings because there still hasn't been any gameplay. And it's been a whole year. I was hoping that we could kind of see um, what was going to look like in game. And that just makes me think that we've got a long way to wait on this. It might be towards the end of 2023 before we finally get to see this game released. So um, I, I can't wait to play it. And I am ready to be patient and wait. But um, yeah, I just... I I just really want to play this game. Same way with Gotham Knights, too. But at least, uh, you know, last year at Fandome, there was some actual gameplay with Gotham Knights. So I think that we'll see Gotham Knights released before we'll see um, Suicide Squad versus Justice League. But either way, I can't wait to play them both. So, whew. That wraps up another episode of uh, DC Comics News Podcast. Uh, and there was a lot of it because we're just coming off the of fandom. So uh, if you haven't, uh, go online and um, watch some of these videos that released. Because I'm telling you, there's a lot of great things to look forward to uh, within the world of DC Comics. So, um, yeah, now's the best time ever to be a fan. So that. Like I said, that wraps up another uh, episode. And uh, Seth, where can people find you on the internet if they want to say hi? Okay, so I didn't catch every single minute of fandom. So first thing I'm just going to tell you, you might catch me on my couch on YouTube where I know there's still streaming fandom and you can rewatch it. So just heads up if you catch me and you can somehow see me on there commenting and things like that, you know, there I am. Otherwise, just come find me here at the DC Comics News Podcast Network. Like, this is where you can find me regularly, hanging out with Brad and the whole gang, talking all these great stories every week on the weekly podcast, or hosting the Spinner Rack, which is my top five pick each and every week from DC Comics. And then, you know, like I said in the past, I know you guys are internet sleuths, so if you're going to find me, you're going to find me. But start here. It's the best place to do it. Brad, how about you, buddy? Yeah, you can find me uh, writing news reviews, dccomicsnews.com. You can find me on this year podcast, and you can find me on the Mad Love Harley Quinn podcast, part of the DC Comics News Podcast Network. And you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. And speaking of that DC Comics News uh, podcast network, be sure to check out our other shows, ones that we've already mentioned, like the Harley Quinn podcast and Spinarack. Uh, we have I Am The Night, hosted by Steve J. Ray, which is a episode-by-episode episode breakdown of the Batman animated series. You can find uh, those shows wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you look, we'll be there. And with that, we would like to leave you with a phrase that we say every week, and it's something that everybody should be doing, and that is to read more comics <laughs> <laughs> until next week everybody take care bye Zs.